Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we look at Blizzard Entertainment and its many games. That's all we do is just look at them. It's an hour of us just sitting here staring at boxes of old Blizzard games. I've got my uh, Burning Crusade box right here. It's beautiful. Anyway, thanks for being here. This no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm Matt. I'm the host. With me this week is my fantastic co-host, Dan Stickney, who also probably has the Burning Crusade Collector's Edition around somewhere. Uh, so, Dan, what have you been up to this week? Actually, Burning Crusade and Vanilla are the only two Collector's Editions I don't have. I started getting Collector's Editions with Wrath of the Lich King. And I'm kind of bummed about it because I would really love that Netherwell pet. <laughs> I, I gotta tell them. I gotta tell you a brief true story here. Okay. The only the only reason I have all the collector's editions I have is because one day a fan of the the show emailed me and said, "Hey, I live in Edmonton and I've been listening to the show for years, and I'm getting rid of all these things that I don't need anymore because I don't have the space for them. I've got a ton of collector's editions. Do you want them?" I said yes. Wow. And here's what I got from him. And and shout out to you, sir. And I don't remember your name. I'm sorry, but this was a couple of years ago. I got the WoW box set, the original one, the collector's edition. <gasps> the Burning Crusade, Wrath of the Lich King, Cataclysm, Mists of Pandaria, Warlords of Draenor, and Legion. And wow. Diablo 3 and Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls collector's edition. And... Warcraft 3 Collector's Edition and StarCraft 2 and StarCraft 2, like the various Wings of Liberty, Heart of the Swarm Collector's Editions. What the heck? Yeah. Dang. So, I mean, I could never have afforded to buy these straight up. I could not have. I didn't get the pets out of this. No. Because he'd already used them. No, but, but you I got the get boxes. The art books. Yeah, the boxes, yeah. the art books, the, the DVDs, the mouse pads. I'm using the Reaper of Souls mouse pad right now. Wow. So, I'm yeah. still, I, the one that I have, I still have the Warlords of Draenor mouse pad because it was the last one that they came out with. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I need a new mouse pad because this one is starting to separate. But like every time they come out with the collect, it didn't have a, it didn't have a mouse pad with it. And I was kind of bummed about that. I'm like, oh, huh, huh. I really miss the mouse pads, guys. I don't know if yeah, anybody from Blizzard is again. listening right now, but like, You'd think that that wouldn't really be like a highlight of the collector's edition, but I was literally, I would replace my mouse pad when I got a new collector's edition. And that's the only time that that happened. So, yeah, I'm sitting here looking at this one from Warlords Draenor and it, yeah, I could use a new one. One that isn't from an expansion that I frankly didn't really care for. Um, So I'm I'm sorry for the stream then, since that's yeah. what you're looking at. Yeah, well, you know. I, I actually went here because it color coordinates with my character, if you look at it. No, He's this one has, um, I want to say Blackhand is, yeah, no, yeah. I think you it's... Get the big, does he have the big hammer and it's got yeah. the red stuff on it? Yeah, that's Blackhand. That's yep. Yeah. 
Um, and it's a really cool mouse pad, don't get me wrong, but like I said, it's starting to peel and separate because that's what they do. And I More just, mouse pads, Blizzard. Yeah, I could use another mouse pad, Blizzard, just, just saying. If you had come out with one with Jaina on it for Battle for Azeroth, I would have been so happy to run my mouse over her face for the next, like, you know, two years or whatever. But, no, didn't happen. Anyway, um, okay. we got yeah, off track. We, I don't even remember what yeah. we were talking about. <laughs> let's, let's just move to top stories. Well, because, I, feel like, I feel like the first thing that we should mention, because this is actually kind of important, is that this is the last show that we're recording before World of Warcraft Classic comes out. That is true. That is yeah. absolutely which kind of ties into do. one of yep. our stories too but it's it's like it's almost here guys this is so weird i never thought i saw i would see this happen there's a video up which i didn't put in the email because it just i just noticed it there's one yeah. up on the launcher right now that's got alex afrasiabi tom chilton uh i can't remember everybody else but like a, five of the original world of warcraft developers playing wow classic and talking about it oh i need to go watch that yeah. later <laughs> it's really it's really cool. Um, I wish I remembered everybody I saw. I just saw briefly that Chilton and Afrasiabi were in the video, and there were like three other people. And it's it's a big deal um, to, to get those guys to play and reminisce because, yeah, I, I want you to suffer for all you did to me, Alex Afrasiabi. So, yeah, you played that game. <laughs> no, it's, I, I say so these mean. kind of things. I say these kind of things, but come on. I loved World of Warcraft. I loved it when it came out. I played it indefinitely. I was Kaplan, a Kaplan is apparently in the mix, and he very well should be. So Yes, Jeff, Jeff Kaplan should absolutely be in there. One of the things about um, WoW Classic that's really happening a lot lately is that people are starting to see what they saw when WoW originally launched, in that the realms are filling up, and they're filling up fast. Um, one of the realms had over 10,000 people wait queues, they were saying. They were estimating we're going to be... 10,000 people in queue ahead of you. Herod, if I remember correctly, was the first one to kind of fill up, but there's a whole mess of them that are full now. Yeah, so they're adding more queue. They're adding more servers, as I knew they would. They have to. There's no way they... But but it's very reminiscent of the way it actually was on launch. Uh, I think Blizzard and even people like myself deeply underestimated just how many people are going to come back for a look. Does that mean they'll stay and level? I have no idea. Well, and I think that's part of the reason why they're being a little bit cautious with adding servers. Like, they don't want to add too many, because if you add too many, then you have to maintain all these servers. And then when the population eventually plateaus and the people that are just there to check it out on launch day take off, you have a bunch of servers with really low populations. And that's, they don't want that to happen. But they also don't want, they also don't want, server queues in the tens of thousands because that's no fun either so they're kind of like being really cautious about what kind of servers they're adding and where um for people playing on the rp servers you have nothing to worry about there's like one rp server one rp pvv server and i think they're both still at like medium to high population but they've still got room so you don't have to worry about it but um they opened up i think they put in at least one new pvp server i don't know if they've added another pve or not um, Last I, think, I checked, it was PvP servers, yeah. Yeah, I think right now there's at least one or two that are, like, high pop, but they aren't full yet. Like, they aren't being listed as full yet. Um, yeah, it's something that they're keeping an eye on, and, and I, it's kind of interesting to me because... You, when when you go back to the first day that World of Warcraft came out, they didn't expect anything that was going to happen with it. They didn't expect for it to blow up the way that it did. Um and this time around, they've kind of like, they know what to look for, I guess. They kind of know what signs to watch for to make sure that things aren't crazy, crazy. But they also don't want to, like I said, they don't want to overload overload us with servers that are just going to be like ghost towns in, you know, a month or two. They've even talked about doing stuff like allowing server transfers. And this isn't the same as paid character transfer. WoW had server transfers back in the day. Yeah, it's just free it, server they transfers. They only happened... Yeah, they only happened when Blizzard offered them to to reduce population on servers. It wasn't a you can go anywhere you want. It was a I we need to get people off of the server so that it will actually run and not crash every five minutes. That's how. In fact, I played originally on Azjul Narab, and then and they opened a free opened. yeah, to Norganon, and it was people from Azjul Narab and I forget the other server who were offered a chance to transfer to Norganon, and we did. We took them up on it and and did. We were trying to get rid of. We were trying to get away from a guild that was 
constantly like sniping us and trying to wipe us on world bosses and they followed us so yay but uh yeah th- that's the kind of thing that they did back then and they're they're talking about doing it now they're 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 thinking of ways to keep this down that aren't just open up new servers because as Ann said opening up new servers you, then you have to maintain them yeah and they, what um... if the population drops now you've got an empty server and it's a ghost town the way that it so. worked back in the day was they had some servers that were wildly overpopulated and it was mostly because groups from like different websites and things like that, they'd go, okay, we're going to make a big guild on this server. And they'd get like thousands of people that were involved in that like one thing. And then everybody else who had signed on just to, because it was a server they found themselves sitting there with really, really long queue times waiting. And they were like these giant, massive Uber guilds and things like that. Uh, And guilds that were like collections of guilds because there were so many people that they had to make like multiple guilds to fit them all, that kind of thing. Um, So when they started doing the whole server transfer thing, it was kind of an opportunity to funnel some people off, but they did it in a very directed fashion. And yes, it was a free server transfer, but you had to like sign up for it and you could only go to a specific server. It, it, you didn't get to choose what server you were going to. They said, they'd say, okay, if you are on this realm and it's really overpopulated and you would like to, you know, pull the parachute and go somewhere else, we're going to let people, a select number of people go to this server. And you had to sign up to do it. Um, yeah. Like in the case of the say that, like organic transfer, yeah, that's what happened. Paid server transfers didn't come in until after, I want to say, when Nax was out. Uh, I don't been... think they had, uh, maybe Nax 25, 10. No. I don't think they no, had no, no. paid it was, transfers. It, no, it was during Vanilla, I know, because like I was playing on a PvE server with my raid guild, and my raid guild broke up, like split up. Everybody kind of like, again, pulled the parachute, but they went to EverQuest 2, and... um I had to re-roll on another server. Like, I just had to re-roll on another server because there was no other options. So I re-rolled a brand new character on a different server and leveled that one to 60. And um, when they opened paid server transfers, I immediately transferred my old raid character to that server because I still wanted to play her. I just didn't want to play on a server where there was nobody there anymore. You know what I mean? And it was before Burning Crusade came out. It was definitely before Burning Crusade came out. The only thing I can find about it is that there's a six-month cooldown between character transfers. The cooldown was reduced to one month in late February 2008 and later reduced to three days in, J- in July 2009. That doesn't confirm what you're saying, but it doesn't contradict you either. Yeah. Um, but so. it was it was definitely before Burning Crusade came out because I was playing Burning Crusade beta with that character after I had moved her. Because we I just were remember. like, we, we would, after I transferred, after I transferred, I was, because I transferred from a PVE server where like the raid guild that I was in was like top tier raid guild on the server, right? One of them. And when I transferred to the server that I went to, it was an RP server and nobody had cleared any of that content. So when I showed up in full tier, I made an entrance and I actually got recruited by a PVP guild and ran with them for like the remainder of vanilla. Yeah, I I'm trying to remember I remember I moved my night elf warrior to the same server as my human warrior, but I don't remember when I did it. But I think you might be right just because I know that people commented on him having the full yeah. uh, dungeon set. Did you remember how they had the dungeon set upgrade on yeah. pieces? Yeah, the purple had, ones. Yes. I had the full dungeon set upgrades on him and I had like the sword off of Exergos, the big two-hander that doesn't exist anymore. So I remember people commenting on that, but I'm not sure if it was before or after Burning Crusade. I'll just, you know, assume you're right because I don't remember. It's, yeah. The only reason I remember it is because when I was in that PvP guild, I was helping everybody with the ladder grind so they could get High Warlord, and that went away in Burning Crusade. So this was... Yeah, it that was actually like went prior away, to Bur- yeah. yeah. It was prior that to went away before the end of, of WoW, even. Yeah. I mean, WoW, regular WoW, yeah, they didn't have it anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, but anyway, yeah, that's I'm what's, sorry. what's going on like, with WoW Classic. But, but, yeah, so that's what's going on with WoW Classic. They're trying to make sure that the servers aren't going to be super overloaded on day one. Keep in mind, guys, if you are logging in to play on day one, 
you're probably going to hit queue times. Just just resign yourself to that right now because it's probably going to happen. They they're trying to make sure that it doesn't happen or if it does happen, it's like minimal impact kind of happening, but just day one, yeah. Absolutely. Expect it expect it to happen, guys. <laughs> Never go into day one of anything expecting yeah. it to be smooth. And then if it is smooth, great. Yeah. That's wonderful, but Go into this, especially WoW Classic, go into it assuming that it's going to be way more people than they're expecting, that the servers are going to be unstable because there's just so many people trying to get on them. And then if it doesn't work out that way and everything's great, wonderful. Enjoy your game. But don't go into this and expecting it to be smooth and then flipping out when it isn't because you'll just get stressed for nothing. The The game is going to be as smooth. I, I, I'm going to call this right now. They're going to see like a couple million people trying to log into WoW Classic the day it goes live. Probably. It's going to be enormous. Probably. And I think so it's going to drop nostalgia. off. I, I think it's going to drop off pretty extensively within that first month. And by the end of that first month or two, they're going to have a more solid idea of, okay, this is how many people we're actually going to be having play this. And the thing is, is like, I, I know this all kind of got born out of people hosting private servers that just had vanilla content on them. Um, like that was kind of the impetus of all of this was people had these private servers that had, you know, quite a few players on them. I think that it's going to be interesting to see how the numbers from WoW Classic stack up to the old numbers from these old private servers if people even still have access to that information anymore. Because... I feel like more people would have been playing on the private servers had they been like easier to get to or, you know, not been illegal. Yeah. So I'm interested in seeing how the numbers play out. But I feel like within the first month or two, it's going to settle down and they'll have a more solid idea of, okay, this is the population that we're working with. Yeah, it makes sense. But yeah, for right now, that's where we're going in terms of WoW Classic and its servers. Uh, but the thing I wanted to mention, because it's also happening fairly soon, in fact, it's happening on the 23rd. So uh, if you're listening to us live this Friday, and if you're listening to us recorded right now, um, Friday, this, you know, season 18 of Diablo 3, the, the season of the Triune, is going to drop this week. And the current patch has already dropped on live. If you're playing Diablo right now, you're playing the patch 2.6.5. Okay, so they just have to flip a switch, basically. They just have to flip a switch and turn the uh, season on. Um, the, the patch itself had a lot of quality of life changes. It did stuff like it added new legendary powers to a bunch of items, uh, and it, it prepared for the season, which in and of itself is interesting. The season of the Triune is cool because what it does to the, to the season theme. Previous the, the previous two theme seasons, the, the, the last couple we've had, um, season 16 was the, uh, oh, bloody heck, I can't remember. Oh, it's the season of grandeur. There we go. Thank you, Brain. That was the one that gave, take, took the uh, the power off of the Ring of Royal Grandeur and made it a buff to everybody. So you could you could wear like one less piece of a set and get the full set bonus. Like you could wear five pieces of a six piece set and get the six piece set bonus, which was pretty or, cool. Yeah, as long as it had at least two pieces in the set. So you couldn't wear one piece of a set and get the two piece set bonus. But if you wore like if you had a a four piece set bonus, you could wear three pieces. Uh, some I believe one set actually you could you could get away doing that for warriors. I remember putting together a, like a five a five and three set that allowed me to get the the four piece. You mean barbarians, um, not warriors, right? Yes, I did mean barbarians. Okay. okay. Uh, the, I remember getting the four piece immortal king buff and the six piece um warrior of the waste buff with just five and three pieces total, and that, that was pretty much every slot. But it, it, you could do it, and it was actually pretty cool. That was in season 16. Uh, season 17 was the nightmare the legacy of nightmares set bonus, whereas for every ancient legendary you, you had, uh, you got a damage and damage buff and a damage reduction buff. So you would take less damage and deal more damage. And that was a very metagamey one that people really liked because it allowed them to tweak what they were doing. Um, this season is decided they've decided to go with the, the 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 power of the triune buff, and that buff is not gear dependent at all. It has nothing to do with what gear you have. It's purely a random chance for one of three things to happen. Um, the power of the triune buff that goes out will put somewhere on the ground, you know, where you are, uh, one of three rings, and those rings each have a different buff. One of them gives you 100% damage increase. One of them gives you cooldown reduction, and the third one 
gives you um, resource cost reduction. I think it's 50% resource cost reduction. And the cooldown reduction one doesn't actually have a number. It doesn't tell you how is much Is there something that you have to wear for this to take effect? Or does it just Nothing. happen? It, it just happens. happens. Okay. Um, it's just in the season, as long as you're playing in the season. I, I don't know if it's... Previously, the season stuff would happen whether or not you were playing a seasonal character. Like, for instance, the Season of Greed that had the, the extra treasure goblins, they were just spawning extra treasure goblins. It didn't matter if you were playing season or not. But the last couple of seasons, you've needed to be on a seasonal character to get the buff. So I don't know if that's what's happening with the power of the triangle buff, but I would assume it is. But it doesn't. it's yeah. not contingent on any kind of set collection no. or anything else. It's you, just a thing you, that happens. From the moment you start playing at level one, wearing a couple of gray items, this power, this buff can go off. And it will continue cool. to go off exactly the same all the way to the end of the season. Okay. So instead of instead of a metagame about getting the best gear, the metagame here is, okay, I have a random chance to drop a stationary buff on the ground that will increase my damage by 100% or increase my you know cooldown reduction so I can use more abilities or reduce my resource cost by 50%. And... It's a large area on the ground, but I need to stay in it if I want to have the buff. So now you start looking at your build. Like, okay, my build is all about moving and zipping around the, the field. I'm not going to be able to stay in that buff. I need to think of a build a where I can stay build. in the buff. Yeah, okay. or, or something where you move around in a smaller contained circle. Because like, it's, a, it's a reasonably large buff. It's not like a small little point on the ground that you have to stand right on. You can run around in it, but you need to be in it. So now you're thinking about... How do I design a character to go along with that? And that's interesting to me because it's completely different than any of these theme seasons have been before. Uh, and I think that's really fascinating. I think that's a really cool way to do it. Um, it, it definitely changes up the metagaming conception of what you're going for. And at the same time, it's it's something you can just, you, you, you don't control it. You don't know when it's going to happen. It might not happen for a while, but when it does happen, it can happen to anybody. So you Speed don't have to worry about like, you know, what, what your build doesn't control it. Speedlancer in the chat channel has a really good question. He said, do we know if these buff zones affect companions? I don't know. That okay. is something I don't know. Because um, that would also be really interesting. <laughs> I think if, I think it would, if it's a summoned companion, like a demon hunter or a witch doctor or a necromancer, then I think Yes. If you've got that kind of companion, because that's a power, that's yours. But what if, like, um, you have, you know, little dude running around with you telling you stories? If you have the Templar, well, yeah. Templar, I don't know if it works for them. I have I no know. idea. Okay. But I'm pretty sure, like, for instance, for, for barbarians, there's the, uh, you know, the what I call summon the grandpas, the, uh, the you know, call the ancients, um, that calls three of your ancestors to come fight with you. I think they would, they, since that's an ability, I think they get the buff. Um, but I don't know about... You know, if if yeah, Speedlancer my... was thinking about the three followers because they yeah. usually solo play, which is kind of how I play too. So that's why. Yeah, I don't know if they get it or not. I don't know if if it's necessary. It would for be them to really get it. entertaining if they did, but yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know. But in terms of like designing your build, it's definitely changes the the way you're looking at it, the way you're approaching it. Like for instance, I there's a build I love to use right now that's that's basically Seismic Slam. I I it it's the problem with it is that Seismic Slam, you basically stop and become a turret. You just stop and start pounding on the ground and the Seismic Slam shoots out from you. This is perfect for this. Like, oh my god, I get 100% damage buff. Boom, 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 boom. Or, oh my god, I'm not going to spend any fury. Boom, 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 boom. It's like, it's great. Whereas my Whirlwind build, I spin around and I move around a lot because moving around gives me a damage bonus. So there's pros and cons and you'll change the way you, you design your character, which I think is really interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I think that pretty much covers what that is. That's if yeah, you want to play yeah. it, it's this week. Um, it's it's this Friday. Uh, so yeah, and it's I th I think it's an interesting way to go forward. But I also think with the new legendary powers, there's a lot of new legendary powers on items, and they've changed. Um, there are several sets of crafted legendaries that have been upgraded to the point where the old recipes no longer work to make them. And that's kind of interesting to, go... to me too, because they've kind yeah. of like they've put these changes in, but they've put these changes in in a season where collecting these new pieces and that kind of thing, it's not going to make a difference on your set bonus or anything, any mm -hmm. of the perks of the season itself. So I'm kind of glad that they designed it this way and actually like released it all. I'm sure they did that deliberately, but you know, yeah. And so it's there's a lot of interesting stuff coming, and they've. They did a thing last week, you know, talking about what they're going to do in the future. And they, they've 
promised some stuff that they haven't actually done yet. One of the things I want to make sure people know, the, the new sets that they said they're making are not in the game yet. Like the new class sets, they're not here. If you're doing the season, the class set is one of the established class sets that already exists. The Hadrix Gift gives you one of the established set pieces. It okay. doesn't give you... The new sets are not in the game yet. They're not. They, we don't haven't tested them. We haven't seen them. I'm not saying they're not making them. I'm sure they are, but they're not in the game. What's also interesting too, and before we move on, because I do want to move on, but the fact that this is the season of the Triune is really interesting to me because the Triune, uh, that's the name of a cult from the Sin War novels. And the I was interesting thing, say, yeah. yeah. The interesting thing about this cult is it's the ancestor to Magda's cult, the Coven. It's their direct ancestor. And it was a church devoted to three figures. And those three figures were disguised versions of Baal, Mephisto, and Diablo. So people were worshiping, it basically like made, it dressed them up to look kind of angelic, but it was the three prime evils. It was those guys. And the, the cults of today are descended from the Triune. So why are they bringing these guys back now? What is what are they getting? I mean, at? clever name or something bigger? Or is it a hint about something else? Because remember, at the end of Reaper of Souls, the Black Soulstone was destroyed, yeah. and the essences of the Prime and the Greater and Lesser Evils were freed. Again, because nobody so, learns their lessons about these things. So, yeah. So is this a hint at what we're going to see in the future, or is it just, hey, this is cool? And it could very well be just, hey, this is cool. But speaking I wanted to. Of, I was going to say, speaking of future Diablo stuff, we should talk about the other thing. Okay. Yes. All right. We did a post this week because we've been getting a lot of questions about this one. And uh, it was, I think Liz and I talked about it and we decided to do it. Basically, people are asking us, is Diablo Immortal canceled? Because no one has heard anything about Diablo Immortal since March. Like they have a late February, peep. early March. Not a nope. peep. And the, the people who peeped about it then were Netties and not Blizzard. Blizzard has not said anything about this game since yeah. last year. Yeah. Uh, this was Netties said, hey, we finished it. We handed it off to them. We, you know, that's that, that was an earnings call they were doing with their investors. They said, yes, we have finished the game and it has been delivered to Blizzard. And since then, nothing. Not a sound. It's now, it's, it's late August. Uh, BlizzCon is like 70 something days away. I don't even think 70 anymore. Um, so BlizzCon is in like two, two and a half months, September, October, November, first day of November. So September and October and then BlizzCon. Yep. So what's going on with Diablo Immortal? What's, what's happening? Okay. First off, has it been canceled? No, no. If it had been they canceled, would... we would have, they, they would have said something about it because they don't make an announcement like that at BlizzCon and then just poof the game away without, acknowledging that yeah and also i'm gonna say this the idea that blizzard received a completed game from netties a big partner and one of the biggest forces in the mobile market on the planet and then just kind of quietly stuck it in a shelf somewhere doesn't really make sense i don't think that they would just eat the losses on that one not just the losses but the the, the damage to your working relationship you know, because now Netties is like, where's the, you know, where's, where's the game? We made the game. Where is it? You know what I mean? Like, you have to then talk to your partner. And they, they've put money into this, too. So that's their investment that you're, you're, you're tanking. There's reasons why companies that do these guess, kind of things. I know. guess to me, it's kind of a matter of how much of an involvement did Netties have? Like, did they just pay them to make the game and that was it? Or do they have like a share in future whatever they make from the game? Uh, you know, NetEase is going to be involved heavily in distributing it because it's it's aimed at at the you know the Asian market where they're big. Yeah. So, but at any rate, the other reason I don't think they canceled it is quite simply they 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 made too big of a noise about it. You know, I I don't think you can do a BlizzCon announcement with like multiple demos. They had multiple demos on the floor. They they had a like a big panel about this game. They, they every time I do a Diablo post, I see all the Diablo Immortal key, key art. There was a lot of it. I I don't see them. This isn't StarCraft Ghost. For one thing, the reason that this isn't StarCraft Ghost is because StarCraft Ghost's main problem started when nihilistic games quit all of them. Yeah. On Moss, they just said we're done. This isn't. They nihilistic did not hand Blizzard a completed game. They, you know, Netties. They, they gave didn't them a even game. hand. I don't. I don't know if they even handed them part of a game. <laughs> yeah, it's very yeah. hard to know what nihilistic actually did. Um, so there's that. Also, I, I really feel like this part needs to be said because it's an interesting thing. Blizzard has total creative control of this. So 
We know Nettie's said we've we finished the game and gave it to them. We don't know if Blizzard then said, "Okay, guys, this is great, but you got to fix this, 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 and this." Which they had every. Like, did they right turn it do. over to the historian team who gave the thing a once over and said, "Okay, we need to rewrite this dialogue or whatever." Or yeah, we, we have need no to idea. To this stuff. You've you've got you know you, you've got you know Tyrael hanging out here, and that's not he was still a, he was still pieces. You can't do that. It's got to be this new other guy. We don't know. We know that Blizzard had total creative control. We know that Blizzard has the ability to send the game back to them and say, hey, we need to fix this stuff to bring it into line. We don't know if they did, and we don't know what that or would look like. Or they can tweak it themselves, for that matter. I'm they, they can, but I don't think they're going to. I think that yeah. if, and the way it was set up, Netties will make the changes they're told to make. But at any rate, we have no idea. We, we don't know. Um, the, the odds of it being canceled or even delayed are really slim. They had a fully they had a fully running demo. It wasn't a complete demo, but it ran multiple characters and you could play it. That that means the coding is far along. This game is is much further along than say Overwatch was when it was announced. When Overwatch was announced, all they had was a cinematic. It's not like they had a demo for it. I feel like I feel like what they're doing here or what they have been doing here is they were handed a game and they had to give it a good look, a good once over, a good playthrough, take a look at it, see how it works, see how it ran, made sure that everything in it was hunky dory. And then they had to figure out how to monetize a thing or if they were going to monetize the thing and how that would work and fix that on their end, I think. To me, that yeah. makes sense. Because a lot of people had a lot of questions about well, how is this going to be monetized? Is this going to be like, are, what are you going to buy in it? Is it going to be like a pay-to-play thing? What What is it? And they didn't have any answers for any of that at BlizzCon. They said, we haven't gotten that far yet. Yeah, it was definitely the business side of things that they didn't know what they yeah. were doing with. So I, I, feel like, I feel like maybe that's what they've been tinkering with. But I also feel like we're just going to see this released at BlizzCon. I feel like it's just going to be out at BlizzCon. Yeah, that makes sense because it would be very much in line with the idea of trying to reclaim the narrative for it. Like, you you know, last year's reception didn't go well, but you want it to go well this year. So you come back with everything and you come back with all the answers to all those questions that seem people are so concerned about. I don't think last year make... was their fault either. I think that last year, a lot of the problem last year stemmed from the fact that everybody, including us, we yeah, including all us. thought and we were all kind of expecting that we would see something about Diablo 4. And we didn't get it. And there were a lot of people that were super disappointed that we didn't get that. Not only did we not get that, but we got a mobile game that nobody had really been asking for. Um, and I feel like that had a lot to do with the reception. And I mean, Blizzard tried to kind of curb that a little bit prior to BlizzCon. Yeah, but, but it was kind of too late. Yeah, it was too late at that point because the hype machine was already rolling. And once the hype machine is rolling, you can't really put the brakes on it. And I, I feel kind of bad that we were we kind of had part to do with that. But at the same time, I really thought we were going to be getting Diablo 4, guys. I mean, like, everybody thought we were going to be getting Diablo 4. And I don't think that Blizzard was expecting the reception that they got. And I don't think that they knew how to deal with with the reception that they got like no, that, I, I think that... that they've yeah they themselves yeah. have even said that this was they, their ability to gauge that was the failure that's the yeah. failure point so they and, had no and, idea you know, how to answer any of these questions they had no idea how to deal with like the the, the lashback that they got they it just it and it all kind of came off a little sloppy and unprofessional if you look um, at the if you actually look at the presentation they made and you yeah. don't look at you don't look at like this the commentary made about it you just watch the presentation that looks like an amazing freaking game and i was pretty damn excited to hear about this you know diablo mmo that was coming out can you imagine if they announced the diablo mmo and they didn't say what platform it was going to be on what people's reaction would have been oh they would have been hyped like, but yeah and it's the phone that's what, aspect of things yeah. it's the phone and tablet people some people are into mobile games some people are not into mobile games and unfortunately a lot of people were hoping for like i said diablo 4 on pc like the like we've been waiting and we were hoping for that and then we didn't get it so that yeah, I, that's i, I definitely think, think where right a lot there. of the disappointment came from and that's where i think a lot of the backlash came from was was like it, it was people expecting one thing and then being shown something else and just kind of turning their noses up at it because it wasn't what they wanted <laughs> Anyway, but definitely, yeah, definitely, this is not a canceled game. I would 
I'm the only way I'd believe this game is canceled is if they get up at BlizzCon and say they've canceled it. That's and I just don't expect that to happen. I think that too much has gone down, too much work has been put in, and it's it's going to happen. The yeah. game is coming out. Um, but we should probably talk about the last thing we got here, which is based on a really interesting article that Corey wrote. Um, yeah. Um, he wrote about Heroes of the Storm and how people sometimes there seems to be such a mixed reaction. Speaking of people reacting to things uh, in unexpected ways, there's like a really mixed reaction whenever they do an original character for Heroes of the Storm. Um, some people really like them and think they're great. And some people are like, oh, I wanted Deathwing or whatever. And that's probably going to be the case whenever they do it, whenever they put in a new character uh, that's, that's completely original to the Heroes of the Storm. I, for one, think that those characters are pretty cool. Um, and I don't even play Heroes that much, although I was just playing it. I say that as I was just playing it today. Uh, and boy, did I die a lot and completely fail at everything I was trying to do. But I was playing it. And I, I really do think there's the, the problem is, is that to a certain degree, we don't know to this day. We still don't really know what's going on with Heroes in terms of its development. Like we know that a lot of people left it and it was, you know, it was transformed to a slightly a slower development pace, but we don't know what that means. We don't know if like this character means we're not going to get another one this year. And I think that builds up some resentment. What do you think, Anne? I mean, you know, you... I feel like we're going to get another character announced this year. Cause they usually announce somebody at BlizzCon and, and, and I feel like we're probably going to get that again. And it may be another original character. We might actually get like the Raven Lord, which would be pretty cool, but you know, um, they went out of their way to introduce Orphea. Like, they they had like a a big lead up with her with like a series of comics there was like an animated thing there was and this was all while they were still really into heroes development and releasing new stuff right after that is when all of that news came out that they were kind of like downsizing everything at heroes of the storm and shuttering a lot of stuff they were still going to develop things but it wasn't going to be anywhere near the pace right um and they got rid of the the tournaments and that kind of thing um heroes of the dorm was done it was a done deal done gone um and a lot of people were kind of uncertain about it so like with kahira kira i'm pronouncing her name wrong probably i would think, i think kira i think this way kira, to go. They, they they she didn't really have the lead up she didn't have the lead up that orphea did and i wasn't surprised by her announcement because at blizzcon they said pretty blatantly they're like we're working on a year-long story in the Heroes of the Storm universe where we're like introducing characters and like giving a story to the background of the Nexus and how it works and that I thought was a really cool concept and a really cool idea um, so I wasn't really surprised that we saw like another original character but there were a lot of people that were kind of disappointed with it I don't know if they forgot what was said at BlizzCon or they were just expecting another Blizzard hero I yeah, I mean, they might have thought it changed. They might have thought it changed because the, the development cycle changed. You know. Right, and and that's not that hasn't changed. It's just the you know the number of people that they have working on the team. That part has changed. So, like, I don't see an issue with it. But I feel like the reason there was a big difference there was because they had this really big lead up to Orphea. Like they were building up to that thing, and then with. Kira, it was just kind of here's an offhanded little snippet of a hint, and then oh, here she is, and that was it. So I I don't I don't know if people were expecting more or not. Um, I think that they have whatever heroes they were going to release this year; those were already set in stone before anything happened with the downsizing. Yeah, it would have been last year they were planning that out. Yeah. Yeah. So the releases that we're seeing this year. They were planned like well in advance. These aren't, this isn't just like them making up characters at, you know, drop of the hat or whatever. And I think that a lot of the issue here is that when Heroes of the Storm was originally announced, do you remember when it was originally announced? Because it was announced as like Blizzard Dota or something like that. Yeah, Bl- I, think... I remember the Blizzard All-Stars announcement. It was it was Blizzard Dota, and then it was Blizzard All-Stars, and then it was Heroes of the Storm. Like, there were several name changes over the course of it, but I remember that first trailer that they introduced. It was a, a very kind of um, humorous, tongue-in-cheek kind of thing, where it was like, it had this big announcer voice dude who was like, what would happen if we took, like, all of these heroes from these different universes and then just stuck them together and made them fight? And that was that was like pretty much the whole 
here here's the rough concept of what we're working with and when heroes of the storm came out it was kind of the same thing it was like you know these heroes from different worlds different universes coming together they didn't know why they'd come together in the nexus but they were there to beat the snot out of each other and that was cool right um if the game had launched with this this story behind it right if it had launched with it i think that people would be more accepting of it but right now it's kind of like they're trying to put the narrative in place sort of retroactively you know what i mean yeah it's definitely there's good reasons to want to do that but at the same time it's like you've got a game that didn't have a narrative imagine if they suddenly they've been doing a similar thing with hearthstone but they've made it work in hearthstone by playing it into the kind of comedic aesthetic of hearthstone hearthstone doesn't take itself seriously no it doesn't it never has (laughs) yeah so the narrative they're putting in, they're putting in that doesn't take itself seriously. It just feels like more flavor. It feels like part of that. I don't want to say goofy because goofy people have down feelings about the word goofy, but it is, it's irreverent. It's comedic. It, it laughs at itself. It says, isn't Warcraft nuts? And then you can go, yeah, Warcraft is nuts. It's a yeah, little slapstick like, and a little weird. Yeah. And we like it for that. We like yeah. it for that. And Heroes but, of the Storm, when it came out, it seemed to be embracing that same kind of aesthetic. But now we're actually like trying to put a narrative on top of it, like a serious the, narrative on top you of read it. Read the actual Orpheus stuff, or you know, all the stuff that they did with all the various comics. This is as far from goofy and lighthearted as it gets. Yeah, whole areas are getting destroyed. People are like t- tapping into dark powers they shouldn't be meddling with. Worlds are annihilated. It's like this. This is actually pretty heavy, guys. And it's not necessarily bad. I like you know, if you read anything I ever wrote, I like that kind of thing. But it's still kind of a tonal shift that I'm not sure people knew. What it's to like do a with. retroactive tonal shift and everybody's kind of like a little confused by it, I think. And I think if this was something that was introduced when the game was launched, we wouldn't be seeing, you know, there wouldn't be this problem. There wouldn't be this issue. There wouldn't be any kind of, everybody would just be like, Oh cool. Another original character. Great. Yeah. And, and, I and think instead Orphea... they're kind of like, who are these people and why should I care about them? Yeah. And both Orphea and Kira are interesting, cool characters, but, it's still a question of, you know, um, but I play this game to have fun with my friends and just mess around and see Diablo and Jaina on the same team. Why, why are we suddenly getting all dark and grim and heavy here? So I, I do think, I do understand why people are having trouble with it, but I still think that they're pretty cool when they bring in the new characters. And I also, I also feel like that this was kind of an experiment in a way, like they were trying to see if they could like introduce a, a more meaningful narrative with it. Um, so I imagine that they're kind of gauging people's reactions on that and seeing how it works and seeing what they want to do in the future. Because the reality of the situation is they are dealing with a finite number of cast members here because there's only so many really well-known characters in the Blizzard universe that they can pull from and utilize for this game. And when they run out of those characters, they're going to have to start making up their own. So I feel like they're kind of like laying the foundation and the groundwork for that now so that they have the opportunity to do that in the future if they need to, Um, depending on how long Heroes of the Storm is still around, you know. Yeah, let's also be fair. Sergeant Hammer isn't actually a character from StarCraft. It's They took like a unit and then broadened it out. Same with the Firebat. Yeah. They have taken... They've taken stuff in the past and, and spread it out. But we should probably move on at this point and try and get some emails done before the show ends. Uh, yeah. You know, if you haven't, you have an email for the show, guys, uh, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with a subject line podcast or, you know, Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show. Or you can go to our Discord server and we have a Q and podcast questions channel. You can ask your question in there. And it, again, if you tell us what podcast it's for, it's, it's helpful. And that way we can read it here on the show, uh, which Anne is going to do for us now. So if you don't mind taking it in. Yeah, um, I don't think we're going to get past this first email because this first email has like three different questions in it. Um, However, they're like all really good questions and uh, we're just going to go through them one at a time. Okay. Yep. All right. So this is from Winterfell, who's a Morgan Frost Death Knight, who says, Hello, watchers. I have a couple questions. First question was actually prompted by two of Matt Rossi's recent articles. What exactly is the relationship between the Alliance of Lordaeron and the Grand Alliance? I know that the Old Horde, New Horde, Dark Horde, Iron Horde, True Horde, Fell Horde, and any others I might have forgotten all despise and disavow each other, but it clearly isn't the case for the two alliances. So what I was wondering was, are they the same organization? Is the current alliance simply an evolution of the old one? Is it rebranded or is the old alliance reborn, reformed? Did it have a conti- 
continuous existence from the end of the Second War to the opening of World of Warcraft? Are the current members of the Alliance ashamed, proud, or indifferent of the Alliance of Lordaeron, or do they not consider the Alliance of Lordaeron a set separate entity from themselves? Um, I'm going to answer this one first, Rossi, because sure. I feel like the second question here is the one that's like more up your alley. <laughs> I mean, I have thoughts about this first one too, but you go okay. ahead. Okay, all right. So the Grand Alliance was also, it was like the, un and the, the Alliance, okay. The Alliance of Lord Ron was the unification of the seven human kingdoms, as well as, I want to say that they brought in the dwarves and the high elves at some point. Yeah? Gnomes. gnomes and the gnomes. Too. Well, the, the gnomes came with the dwarves. They were just like hanging out with the dwarves. They all came together to fight back against the Horde during the Second War. That's when it was all created. And it was specifically because in the First War, the Horde showed up, came through the Dark Portal, and completely decimated Stormwind. Stormwind was one of those seven kingdoms. So they went north. Um, and when Lothar, he took the survivors and he went north to Lordaeron and went to King Terranus and said, hey, we have a problem, and I don't think you realize the scope and the scale of this problem, but our kingdom, like our whole kingdom, the one to the south, you've probably been there on a few family vacations or whatever. Yeah, it's rubble now. There's nothing left. And there's these green dudes, and they're marching north, and we need to do something to put a stop to it. So they got together that original alliance of Lordaeron specifically to com combat the old horde in the second war and they were successful they actually defeated the old horde that they won the second war they took the orcs they put them they put the survivors in internment camps and you know all that came back to bite them in the third war but at that point they were arousing success after that war was over with Ternus didn't want to just like execute all of these orcs. He wanted to like put them in internment camps. And there were a lot of different kingdoms that had different feelings about this subject. This was when Gen Greymane and the citizens of Gilneas said, yeah, no, sorry, we're out of here. Because they didn't want to continue providing protection and funding to a kingdom that wasn't willing to like get rid of the problem. Right? Mm -hmm. Alterac was already gone because Alterac basically betrayed everyone um, in the Second War. They actually let the old horde, they made a deal with the old horde and said, we'll let you through our mountain passes if you leave us unmolested. And everybody found out about it and Alterac was just kind of like disbanded entirely. Um, Arathi, Stromgard was pretty well, I mean, Stromgard was pretty well on the way out anyway, but it got kind of stomped. Yeah? Not, no, not at this time. Not this time. Uh, Thoris Trollbane basically is another one of those guys. Uh, when well, he went when, through uh, the dark Den portal. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that was Denath Trollbane. Oh, that was Denath. Excuse me. Thoris is his uncle, who was yeah. king of of um, Thoris. Basically, had the same idea as Gen, but he wasn't he wasn't as angry about it. But, but when Gen left, he was like, support. Yeah, Thoris was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going, I'm done." And, and Dalaran seems, was just. Yeah. Dalaran was just Dalaran. Dalaran was kind of a neutral entity that had like yeah, like the, as long the as the orcs were attacking, yeah. yeah, as long as the orcs were attacking, Dalaran was fine with helping out. But it was but his they own didn't neutral. Yeah, it was his own neutral city state. So once everything finished with the Second War, they just kind of like retreated and went back to doing their own little magic thing out in the Magic Hills. Um, and uh, Anduin Lothar only got the High Elves to join. By basically, he was like, "Please help us," and they were like, "No." He's like, "You know, the orcs will eventually come for you. We don't care. We're not helping you." All right, I'm you the last descendant. Yeah, no. I'm the last descendant of the Arathi bloodline, and you guys owe me. And that's why. Yeah. And they sent like a paltry, a paltry number of people to help. And then once they realized things were actually like getting kind of crazy, they sent more forces. But it was too late. And the old horde, the old horde did a lot of damage to the forests of Kelthlos. Mm -hmm. they, um, they burned, they, they allied with the orcs in Zulaman, the trolls in Zulaman, and they burned like up through what's now the ghost lands. They actually struck up to the Windrunner Spire and they killed pretty much all the Windrunners except for the sisters. Yeah. They killed the Windrunner, the brother, it was and kinda, their mother, and a bunch of family. 
it was it was massive amounts of damage. And if you want to know why the trolls of Zulaman were so ticked off with everyone when Zulaman came out in Burning Crusade, this is why. It's because the horde that they had allied with to burn these forests back in the Second War had taken in the same elves and were calling them allies now. And they were like, what are you doing? These people, like, cut off my arm. They took out my eye. I... How how could you possibly... This is betrayal on, like, the highest level, right? Well, the High Elves, during the Second War, they saw their forest burned, and at the end of all of it, they decided that it was the Alliance of Lordaeron's fault. It was their fault because they didn't do enough protection, and it was their fault the, the Old Horde came north anyway, and they basically pulled out. So... Essentially, the Alliance of Lordaeron was there for the Second War, and then it kind of disbanded at the end of the Second War and before the Third War. There was still, like, a mutual relationship between Lordaeron and Stormwind, obviously. Um, There was, you know, there was... It wasn't necessarily an alliance, per se, but there was, like, a good working relationship with the dwarves, with the dwarves and the gnomes, not so much the high elves, and everything just kind of, like settled at that point when the third war hit and the scourge hit Lordaeron nobody really knew about it until after everything had already gone down really um Stormwind got word that Menethil died Stormwind got word that Arthas was responsible for it they got word of this plague that was going on up north it never came down south but when Lordaeron fell it was pretty much the last bastion. It was the unification factor of the original Alliance of Lordaeron. So it was just gone. Um, and, Storm... and at that point, yeah. And at that point, almost every nation from the old Alliance was either hiding. Behind a cutting wall. Cutting off contact. Yeah. Cutting off contact. Like, Dalaran was gone. Dalaran um, was kind of involved around... with the whole Third War thing because it got decimated yeah. when Archimonde was summoned. Mm-hmm. Um, Kul'tiris was so mad at the absolute end of, of the third war that they were like, we're not, no, we're done too. We're not talking to anybody. And they, they just, pulled back. Yeah. They just kind of closed their shutters yeah. and, and didn't talk to anybody. And then of course, everything that happened with Dalen Proudmore didn't exactly yeah. help with that. But yeah. as, as far as the grand Alliance goes, the grand Alliance was, I think it was kind of formulated between the end of the third war and the beginning of world of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the Alliance already had pretty good relations with the Dwarves and the Gnomes, and, and that dated back to the Second War. The Night Elves were brought in because of what happened during the Third War. Because in the during the Third War, Jaina took the survivors from Lord Ron. She took them all to Kalimdor, where they teamed up with the Night Elves, who nobody had ever even seen before they were brand new at that point. Like this was a society that nobody really knew about at that point. Um, And they teamed up with the orcs, the orcs from the new horde, which was also kind of like inconceivable at that point. And I think had Varian Rin known about it or been more informed about it, he would have like thrown a fit, but as it was, he was on a different continent. So it didn't really matter. Right. Um, But those three groups came together and they defeated Archimond at Hyjal blew up the world tree in the process, but they defeated Archimonde at Hyjal. At that point, the Night Elves were left without a home. They had nowhere to live. The world tree was gone. It had been blown sky high. Teldrassil didn't exist at that point. It didn't It didn't actually exist until Fandral went behind Malfurion's back, like basically poisoned him, kept him stuck in the Emerald Dream, and then planted a seed. And that's when Teldrassil came to be. There was no Teldrassil when the Third War happened. It, it, it didn't exist. It was in between the Third War and World of Warcraft that that tree popped up into existence magically. Um, and the Night Elves and the humans and the orcs over on Kalimdor had kind of a working relationship after it, but that working relationship started to kind of like tatter and wither and fall apart, particularly because the orcs were stuck in Duratar, a place without really that many natural resources. So they were kind of like making these excursions up north into Night Elf territory, trying to get lumber and things like that. And the Night Elves were not happy with that. The Night Elves ended up joining the Alliance pretty much because of that. And that's where the initial Grand Alliance came from. Everybody else was kind of added afterwards. Jaina was still pushing for this diplomacy between 
Duratar and the new Horde and the Alliance, but nobody was really having it, particularly the Night Elves, because why would they? The orcs were encroaching on their territory. Yeah. Anyway. Pretty much the the connection is historical. It's not. There's there's memory of those places, and Stormwind was a part. Stormwind was rebuilt as one of the last acts of the, of the Alliance of Lordaeron. That's like one of the last things Terranus did with the unified Alliance of Lordaeron before everybody started quitting it was he pushed that they help rebuild Stormwind. So Stormwind has fond memories of it, but it is pretty much, it's more, it's just a historical continuation. It's a lot of us were in this, so we remember it. It's not really the same. It's it's even less the same than the old Horde is to the new Horde because the old Horde, the, the old Horde handed off to the new Horde. Orgrim Doomhammer literally gave his hammer to Thrall when he started the new Horde. So he there's passed more things on. Yeah, whereas... The, the uh, new alliance versus old alliance, the alliance versus grand alliance, it's definitely more of a continuation of, of memory than it is of an actual organization. And I, and I feel same. like I feel like Varian was probably cool with the idea of, you know, allying with all of these people because when the Stormwind fell, he was still very young. But all of that, everything that happened in the second war and the third war, all of that happened when he, like, came of age and became king. Because he was only 18. He was only 18 when he was crowned king of Stormwind. And when that had went... been after like eight years of exile. Yeah, up in Lordaeron. So like he was, he had memories of the original alliance of Lordaeron and it was the thing that saved his kingdom. So he wouldn't be at all adverse to building another alliance. It didn't have to necessarily be with these human kingdoms, most of which didn't really exist anymore or they were in hiding. But it could be through, you know, like-minded individuals like the dwarves and the gnomes who they had built a very good working relationship with, like the night elves who were obviously, you know, they were seeking some kind of protection, solace, and help against the horde. Well, Varian knew about the horde. The horde were the people who killed his father. They were the people who had originally ransacked Stormwind. Of course he's going to ally with the night elves. That all just kind of came together. It's really weird. It was really weird when Gilneas, like, the wall came down and Gilneas came back. Because Gilneas had to kind of apologize for what they had done. Because they basically, they basically gave Benethil the finger and, like, peaced out of there. It wasn't, it wasn't a happy little, oh, well, you know, you guys do your own thing. Hope you're, no, it was, it was Gen storming out and going, we don't need you guys. We're self-sufficient. We can take care of ourselves and we really don't need to be taking care of you two. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) There's a very famous, there's a famous thing where the last words Gen said to Terranus, who had been friends for years. Yeah. uh, He says something like, you know, hang the Alliance and hang you. No, this is the last time I'm ever going to talk to you, Terranus. So I hope you were listening. And, and that's the last thing he ever said to him when he walked out. And then so. he never spoke to him again. And Terranus died by his son's sword. It was kind of sad. And then, of course, you know, now in Battle for Azeroth, finally we're seeing what happened to Kul Tiras during all of this time. And, and what what went on there. And we're getting that history. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the relationship. And, wow, that was really long r- round of explaining on my part. I'm very sorry. But let's go ahead and go to question number two. Yeah? Okay. Okay. Um, unless you have anything else to add to that. No, I think we pretty much covered it. Okay. I mean, uh, we could keep talking, but let's, we got stuff to do. So. <laughs> second question from Winterfell is, my second question is about how easy it is to get into the lore of Diablo without playing the games. I just started the first few chapters of the Sinwar trilogy and thus far understanding it even without the greater context of the universe it's set in. I do remember enough of the Book of Cain that immediately recognized who Bala, Dialin, and Mephis were. Will it remain understandable, or do I need to play the games to comprehend the books? No disrespect to the games, but that genre simply isn't my thing. Okay. Do you, can you read the books without playing the games at all? Do they stand alone? Yes. They, they're, they, they serve. They stand up fine. I mean, uh, whatever you think of Richard Knack as a writer, the man knows how to craft a narrative. Uh, and he absolutely crafted the narrative of the Sin War books so that it's you can just sit and read them. And you don't need to know, you don't need to even ever heard of Diablo before you read them to, to understand what's going on in those books. Um, and Bala, Dialon, and, and Mephis are the triune that we were talking about earlier. So you can see how the games draw from those sources and not just one way. I don't recommend doing this because whether or not you think that Diablo games are your thing, the story of Diablo 2 is really worth seeing. It's pretty it's intense. very good. Yeah, so I, if you can play the games, then I think you should. But, 
I mean, between the book of Cain, the book of Tyrael, the book of Adria, um, the, the novels that came out, the shorts that you can find online. Yeah, you can, you can understand the story to a degree without it. The only trouble you're going to have is actually getting the stories of the three Diablo games, because there's no really great source for everything that happens in those games outside of those games. I don't think there's a novelization of any of the games. There's no novelization of any of the games. In fact, um, if you want to know like uh, the story of Diablo and Diablo two, at least back in 2000 uh, wizards of the coast and blizzard worked together and put out a Diablo two game. It was using the D and D rules. Uh, It's called the Diablo two Diablery and Diablo two to hell and back. If you actually want to know the story without playing the Diablo games, buy those two books. They're available on Amazon right now. You can get them. You can still get on them? eBay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you buy, you buy them used. I was going to say they're out of print. Yeah, but they're still they're still there. Okay. Um, you can get them on eBay. You can get them on Amazon. Uh, and and they actually do a really good job of just wrapping up everything. The story of Diablo three right now there is no real place to find it aside from Diablo three. And again, I would recommend that you play Diablo 3 because, I mean, I love it. But if you don't like it, you don't like it. You can get a pretty decent grounding. The problem isn't that you that there's not stuff. The problem isn't that the stuff me, requires you to play the games. The problem is, is that the story of the actual games isn't really represented anywhere else. There's no novelization of Diablo or Diablo 2 that you can really go and find and read and it will, it will cover it for you. And there certainly isn't one for Diablo 3. Uh, that'd be the big hole. So if you want to be a completionist and know all of it, um, go find a Let's Play, I guess, if you're just absolutely unwilling to play the you, games. But yeah, I really you recommend could, playing the games. You could watch a Let's Play. Um, the thing about the games is, I mean, you can play them on really, really low difficulty settings and just kind of like mow your way through it without thinking about it too much. Um, yeah, and, just experience and it's not the story. super long. Yeah, it's not a very I mean, long game, especially not compared to like some of the big like RPG RPGs out there. Yeah. Like if you ever played Baldur's Gate or something, this is not the same experience. The story in Diablos one through three is condensed significantly compared to say the sprawling 80 hour epics. It's not mass effect two. It's, it's certainly not Skyrim. Uh, This is a contained experience. It'll be done like, I think say 12 to 15 hours. If you play it on the lowest possible setting, if that, Yeah. yeah. So um, I would th- recommend playing it, but if you don't want to, you technically do not have to. The other reason I would recommend playing through it too is that um, the cinematics in, in the game are spectacular. They're really good. Um, they're Diablo doing an amazing job with them. Diablo 2 cinematics look their age, but they're very good for what they are. Keep in mind that this was a game that was finished. They were, it was released in 2000. And it was built in the, like 1998, 99. So the cinematics look like you'd expect but they are they're really good and they're creepy as heck and they're very they do a very good job of setting up the twists and turns of the story very well. Um and Diablo 3, I mean, I think the Cinemax of Diablo 3 is some of the best Cinemax Blizzard ever did. Um whether it's the paper drawing cinematics, a lot of the Cinemax are like a are pr- kind of like rendered drawings like done on like on parchment. It's like a ink over parchment storybook kind it's of. It's really really well done, and it, they they set it up so they can do it for each class independently. But then there's the big cinematics, and they're just amazing. Uh, the recommendation here is to to, to get to, to to play that game. I just that would be what I would tell you. Plus, I mean Jennifer Hale doing voices for anything is just a fantastic yeah. experience. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we can leave that there. And then there's one more question here. Um, Winterfell has, oh, and a bonus question that occurred to me while typing the first one. Is there any in-lore event that marks the opening of World of Warcraft, like a war, a treaty, or anything else? Uh, Four years have passed since the Burning Legion was defeated atop Mount Hyjal. It's literally just four years later. There's no specific moment that, that is the start of World of Warcraft. It's more like a specific moment of time has passed. You're coming in in kind of the interim. I think the biggest thing that happened um, prior to the opening of WoW was that Varian Rin was kidnapped. And, he was uh, lost. Nobody knew Malfurion where he went. Stormrage, Malfurion Stormrage has taken a nap and no one can wake him up. And Teldrassil has arrived. Somewhere in yep. those four years, that giant tree, the one that burned down this expansion, yeah, in the four years between the end of the third war and the beginning of world of warcraft that tree sprang into existence 
and, and I know it looks moved. like and the elves moved in. I know it looks like it's been there forever, but it was literally that short of a period of time. It wasn't even four years because that tree yeah. isn't there for Reign of Chaos. Yeah. Or the Frozen Throne. So yeah. that's those are like a year and a year and a half later after the Legion had beaten, and still no tree. That tree came before World of Warcraft and I think it must have been put like since we know there are night elf ruins on Blood Mist and Azure Mist Island, I feel like there must have been Blood Night Elf ruins where the tree was as well, because they have all those buildings on top of it. You know? Like they must have It's like when the tree, tree shot up out of the ocean, it carried a bunch of ruins in its boughs upward. Yeah. But yeah, that tree like was three years old when the game started, maybe even two. And then yeah, they died this year, so peace, Teldrazel. Sorry, Teldrassil. But if it's any consolation, you weren't even 20 years old. Um, anyway. I don't think it was. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, the game itself is like 15 years old and the tree was like maybe 17. I don't I don't know. It's barely older than World of Warcraft. The tree is barely older than World of Warcraft. Keep I'm that in mind. The now, biggest so. the biggest tragedy with Teldrassil wasn't the fact that the tree itself burned because the tree was a fairly recent thing it was the fact that the entirety of the night elf population were living on it at the time that's the part yeah. that's just like oh. a lot of people died yeah um anyway on that cheerful note and that was not a cheerful note at all we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up there and we'll just carry over the emails to next week uh blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience um and just as a heads up you guys next week we will be recording the show on friday um which means that the live show is going to be on friday same time just a different day uh apologies to those that listen live for like you know the last minute change but we had to go ahead and make that change this also means that the show itself the one that you guys listen to the recorded show it will be released the following monday uncut show will be on patreon as usual but the uh rss feed the that show will be released the following monday instead of day of um just as a heads up so you guys know what's going on there so you won't be getting a show on rss next week well yes you will technically because lore watch will be coming out on monday but regardless if you see a pause or a hiccup or a whatever that's why anyway that's it that's all i had okay thank you ann uh, again guys if you have an email for the show you can send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzard watch so we know it's for the show or you can go to our discord channel i mean the discord channel is uh q and podcast questions and you can ask your question there and we'll be more than happy to answer it here on the show thank you guys so much for listening this has been the blizzard watch podcast and we'll see you again a couple days later next week Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.